of God once again in Jesus' name. Glad to be back in the house of the Lord. It's always an honor and privilege, amen, to be in this part of the vineyard. Uh, when I'm away, I do think of you guys and I do miss you. Glad to see Pastor Werner, strong, amen, and his beautiful wife there, getting younger and younger. Amen. Cannot beat that, I tell you, God is too good. Hallelujah, Pastor Gary, your family, bless you guys, the congregation, bless you guys. You know, whenever I come to the house of the Lord, and I know I say this all the time, but I keep saying it, uh, I do appreciate the old songs, you know, that refer to the blood, they refer to Calvary, they refer to Jesus, you know, the real name, J-E-S-U-S, not just uh, a statement that's there that could flow either this way or that way, ambiguous now, Jesus, straight up, you know, um, and this is the problem we, we face in the 21st century, where, and it's unfortunate, Christians, for lack of a better word, are just become weak. Churches, weak. Preachers, weak. Prayer warriors, weak. So-called intercessors, weak. The media is just bashing and we cave in. The laws rise up and we cave in. Peer pressure at school, university, at work, in our community, that rises up and we just give in. Now, I don't know if you've forgotten this. I don't know if the world has forgotten this, but Jesus was meek, but not weak. Our humility sometimes deceives us. And we think that by giving in, we're being humble. We think that by changing our mind and taking back what we said, you know, in quoting the scripture, taking that back and like, okay, sorry. We think that we're being humble. You know, we, 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 we're trying to be like what Paul says, you know, to the weaker become as weak, to the sicker become as sick. We're trying to just, okay, look, because you all feel that way, well, guess what, we'll just give in. no. I want to remind you, no, there is nothing weak about Christianity. There is nothing weak about salvation. There is nothing weak about the cross. Being bold is not being proud. Being upright and standing for the Lord is not being arrogant. Being confident in God's word is not you being pompous. It is a humility that God has given us toward him. But toward the enemy, there is no bowing down. Towards any dark force, there is no giving in. Towards any statement that is contrary to the word of God, there is no turning the other cheek. When it comes to God's word, when it comes to God's standards, we, you and I, have got to stand toe-to-toe with the devil. We've got to stand eyeball to eyeball with the evil one and not give in. Let them say what they want to say, but we've got to uphold the expectations of God's words unapologetically in love. Love is not saying yes all the time. Love is not me giving you things all the time. 
Love is not a smile all the time. Love is not the smell of roses and lovely perfumes all the time. Love is not a gentle hug or a gentle squeeze. Oh, no, no, that's not love. Love is twofold. Love is chastisement and embrace. Love is rebuke and encouragement. Love is putting you down to lift you up. Love is breaking you down to build you up. Love is twofold. It's like a parent. I will punish you, but I love you. I will reprimand you, but I love you. We are not called to be weak. We are not called to give in and to cower out. We are not called to turn our back to the enemy because of expectations of society. I don't care what they say. Amen. We've got to stand upon the auspices of God's word and be unshaken. This is the design of the blood of Jesus that was spilled there on Calvary. I went to visit, uh, I'm going to pray and get into my message in a minute. I went last week, we built in a church in um, a place called, called Officer. And so we started up. We have afternoon services on Sunday, like from here, I'm going to go to that church, and we're just trying to build it up. And so we are doing outreach in the community and in Cranbourne, and there's a house I knocked on, you know, spoke to this senior gentleman, and you know, how are you? You visited the church once before, you haven't been since, what's going on, how are you doing? And this guy, in short, basically says that he's left the Lord because he was hurt. He's turned his back on Jesus because he was encountered with some suffering. He was faced with some difficulty in his Christian walk, and as a result of that, he's turned his back on Jesus. I said, excuse me. He says, yes, I was serving the Lord faithfully, praying, reading the Bible, attending services, doing all of the things I'm supposed to do, I was encountered with difficulty, and so I felt I will put Jesus down, I will turn my back, and I will go back to the world because of some suffering. That's the title of my message today, suffering. Why do Christians suffer? Why, even though we do the right thing all the time, why do we still suffer? Why, even though we fast and we pray and we read the Bible, why do we still suffer? Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning in Jesus' name, thanking you again for another day you have given us. Asking you, God, to just bless us even as you would further tarry in your presence. Anoint us for change and transformation. Anoint us that we might be vessels, O oh God, vessels you can use, vessels of integrity. If there's any man in this place, or woman, boy or girl, O oh God, who was not born again, let the word, O oh God, the power of the Holy Ghost convict their hearts. Let your word become life in them and let there be transformation and change for Jesus. We know you are the way, the truth, and the life, you only. And today we pray in Jesus' name, bless us as we remain in your presence. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 8. There's a few verses I've got today. I'm going to be just bouncing around from verse to verse. So just please be attentive. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 8 reads like this. I've got the King James Version with me. The Bible says, He that digs a pit for himself shall fall into it, 
and whoso breaketh the hedge, the serpent shall bite him. In short, if this is a protective area that God has designed for you, a protective zone, God is prepared to protect you within the confines of that zone. But if you, by your own willpower, because this is who we are, we are creatures of willpower, we can choose to serve God or not. That's the beauty of serving the Lord. It's voluntary. You can choose now to walk out the door and nobody dares stop you because God is not stopping you. You understand what I'm saying to you? It's voluntary servitude unto the Lord because we love him. We choose to every morning worship and serve God. But if at any point you choose to step out of that protective hedge that God has put around you, the Bible says the serpent will bite you. So one, Christians suffer because of their own disobedience. That's why we suffer. God doesn't hate us. God does not forget us when we pray. God does not ignore us when we ask him for things. God does not design the world in such a way where it's targeted and aimed at us. That red light that you came across is not because God chose to give it there. That's just how things go. But when it comes to Christians suffering and bad things happening to Christians, one of the reasons, now note I said one of the reasons is when we step out of the hedge in disobedience. In other words, God will bless my marriage with Wendy. You all know my wife? Yep, that's her in the back. God has blessed our marriage. But guess what? God will only be faithful to us as long as we stay within the confines of that covenant, that agreement she and I made to each other before God with witnesses. If we honor that, God will send a blessing, 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 blessing. But the moment I choose to step out of it, because some other young thing saw me and said, I'm cute. <laughs> and now I'm forgetting my wife, I'm turning to this young girl. That called me cute. Now I'm going to the gym, I'm getting a six pack and muscles because of this young thing that called me cute. The enemy will bite me. Not because God hates me or my marriage. No, it's because I chose to step out of the agreements and covenants I made with him. That's why we suffer. Whenever we take our eyes off God's word and suddenly we look into the world, what the people are saying, what my friends expect of me, what the world wants me to do, what the boyfriend or girlfriend wants me to do, guess what? Bad things happen. And because of our human nature, that sin Adamic nature we have, we don't like to blame ourselves. We start to look around, well, if my parents taught me better, well, if the church was there for me, this wouldn't happen. Well, if I had more money given to me by my grandfather, this would not happen, no. It's your fault. You stepped out of God's protective hedge. Now you're in the corner and you're crying, you're pointing the finger at everybody else. That's why we suffer, because of stepping out of God's protection. If you dig yourself a pit, Ecclesiastes says, you will fall into it. And I like how it puts it. It says, if you dig a pit, not your enemy, not the devil, if you, you, me, if you dig your own pit, 
you fall into it. If you step out, not the serpent coming in and pulling you out, if you step voluntarily out, trouble awaits you. The other verse I have here is Isaiah chapter 59 and verses 2. Isaiah 59 and verses 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that that he will not hear. So the other thing that separates us from God and causes us to suffer is sin. Now, this is a word I don't know for whatever reason. I suppose it's an end-time problem. You know, in the last days, this is an issue that's not addressed in churches no more. You know, it's like we, we only hear the word sin when you first get saved, and then we don't talk about sin no more. But sin is a problem. Sin is a problem in the churches. Sin is a problem among the young people, among the old people. Sin is the problem. In homes, the problem is sin. In marriages, the problem is sin. At school, the problem is sin. They keep trying to diagnose it and make it to seem something. No, no, no. The problem here is sin. I work in a prison. I got people jailed. I got to handcuff them. When they go very crazy, there's a belt to put on them. They get handcuffed like this, right? There's a belt that goes over under them, and basically they cannot move. They are crazy. They tell me, oh, no, Johnny, it's psychosis. No, it is sin. 17-year-olds in juvenile youth detention centers punch a man that's doing gardening. He's working for his family, but these kids choose to, out of whatever reason, bash this man. It's all over the news. The cops have got to come with a whole big thing. Oh, shame. We've got a youth problem in Australia. The young people need direction and guidance. No, the problem is sin. A man jumps behind a car and drives that car at 140 k's an hour in the rain, and he crashes into another car, and he dies, and everybody else dies. And the parents are on TV talking about, oh, my child, shame, I don't know what became, what came over him, I suppose he was depressed, I think he was hurt. No, the problem is sin. Sin, the Bible says, separates us from God. There's no other barrier. They can come up with these fancy adjectives. There is no other barrier. The barrier is sin. Sin is enmity with God. Sin is like a brick wall between me and God. Sin stands in the way of our breakthrough. Can I be a Christian and sin? Yes, you can. You can be serving God faithfully. But if you are, as the Bible says, Lord pulled aside by your own pleasures, by your own wishes, by your own desires, by your own weaknesses. My weaknesses will never get Pastor Werner to backslide or fall. It's my weaknesses. It's the challenges that are affecting only me. So when those elements come into my life, the old Adamic nature rises up and lures me aside and I fall into sin. Guess what? I fall. And who do I blame? I cannot blame God. And that's why, number two, we suffer. Not because God hates us, but we suffer because of sin. Bad things happen to us, yes, because of sin. I want to get that out the way. Disobedience and sin. But the one thing I want to harp on and I want to talk about is Christian suffering 
that is inevitable for every child of God. There is a kind of suffering you will endure as a child of God. Not talking about sin now. I'm not talking about disobedience. I'm talking about faith-challenging suffering. I'm talking about a spiritual exercising challenging. We'll go to the Word of God where Paul writes, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Acts chapter 9, verse 16. For I will show him, God speaking, how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. I'm talking about suffering that's designed to make us stronger. I'm talking about trials and tribulations. I'm talking about challenges you and I will face as children of God. And that's why it takes me back to the point of we are not weak. You see, when you, the day you got born again, the day you got saved, the day you accepted Jesus into your life, that's when the fight began. Your name was written in the book and you got a one-way ticket to heaven. However, while you're on earth, I want you to understand this one thing. You are going to face challenges. If you're looking for an easy ride, you're in the wrong field. If you're looking for a walk through the lilies, beautiful fairies all over, and flower petals falling down, and lovely soft music playing in the background, air conditioning, you're in the wrong business. As a child of God, you have got to face challenges. This is a fight you and I are in. It's not designed to make us soft. It's not designed to make us complain, murmur, or grumble. This is a fight. You and I have got to get on our fighting gloves. The day you got born again is the day you got inducted into the longest boxing ring, boxing match of your life. You got to stand toe to toe with your enemy and you got to be prepared to throw punches. There's no being humble and being Mr. Nice Guy. Oh, but Johnny, I'm so pretty. I got nice nails. I'm cute and I'm cuddly. I'm a lady. I don't fight. No, in the kingdom of God, there is no man and woman. No, in the kingdom of God, there is no pretty and no, no, no. There is no weak. In the kingdom of God, there's overcomers. There's victors. In the kingdom of God, there's champions. The Bible says we are a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation. You look at the Bible from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation. Men who never ever fought before in their lives, when they met the Lord, Suddenly, you have to put on your fighting boots because God told them, that's the promised land. I've given you the promised land, but in the promised land, there are the Philistines, there's the Jebusites, Hittites, Perabites. Go in and take it. But God, if you gave me, how come there's enemies? That's what I told you. Go in, get it. I've given you the victory already. This is a fighting kingdom. You've got to understand that. For your breakthrough, you've got to fight for your breakthrough. There are sufferings you've got to endure. 
But Johnny, I pray, I fast, I read the Bible. No, 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 that's not enough. No, that's not enough. You've got to get up and you've got to resist the devil. How do you resist? Not by laying in your bed. It's not how you resist. Ask, the, ask all of the uni students, they'll tell you. How do you pass examinations? You've got to put in the time, don't you? You've got to open up those books in winter when you're in a bad mood, when your parents annoy you. You've got to get those books. You've got to ignore your phone. You've got to put it down. You've got to hit those books and put work into it. Why? Because there's a prize you are looking forward to. And that's why you and I, as God's children, have got to endure. There is a prize that awaits us at the end. We're not going to get it now while we're on earth. It's a prize that we are waking, waiting for until the end. The Bible says, Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. It was not an overnight thing. No, he had to go in every day. He had to put in some kind of effort because he knew there is a prize awaiting me. What am I saying to you? If Jesus had to endure, guess what you've got to do? That man at that place really annoyed me when I was talking to him. I had no words, really. I'm like, you left the Lord. Why? No, uh, challenges, things went wrong in my life, and I just felt that, uh, you know, I put the Bible down, I'll, I'll stop going to church, you know, because it was done. I'm like, where did you think you're coming to? You know, did you think we're serving God because we want yeses all the time? Did you think that Christianity is a microwave kind of thing? Just chuck it in the microwave, press go two minutes, and boom, you got popcorn. You thought Christianity was that? You thought Christianity was a Google type of thing where you just take out your phone, punch in a few questions, press search, boom, thousands of responses come. Did you think Christianity was that? What did you think Christianity was? Why do you think the Bible uses words like soldiers of the cross? Why that particular word, soldiers of the cross? What does a soldier do? A soldier has discipline, doesn't he? A soldier has endurance, doesn't he? Not today's modern day soldiers, pretty boy soldiers. Don't tell me about these pretty boy soldiers. Talking about old school soldiers. Where the day one of your army, you had to get a bag, zip your bag up, and when you ask the commander, what's this bag for, commander? He's like, that's the bag we're going to bring you in if you die. What? Yep, you're a soldier, boy. I've got to carry this bag around me, yes, just in case you die. Put you in that bag and send you back to your mother. That's the soldiers I'm talking about. Where we're going into the enemy's land and we are fighting. Every day we're fighting, we take him back. You say, but brother Johnny, if God has given us the victory already, why then do we have to fight? What you fight for, you appreciate. What's given to you that easy, you don't appreciate. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If it just comes easy like that, you don't appreciate it. But if you endure to the end, the salvation that we've got, becomes a precious commodity. Every day, every day you've got to rise up as a child of God and you've got to challenge the powers that be. If you mean business. Christianity is not for the weak to stay weak. 
Come in as you are, but don't stay as you are. Come in tired, weak and dreary, and the Lord will strengthen you up, and suddenly you become a champion in God's kingdom. If you can't pray for more than 10 minutes, don't expect victory from God. If you can't take God's word and memorize a verse of scripture, or at least commit to quoting that word of God, don't expect victory from God. If you're not prepared to say no to the things of the world and go forward and serve God, don't expect victory from God. If you cannot put in the work, you're not going to get the fruit. You see, during winter, everybody complains. I'm first on that list. Hate winter. It's raining, it's uncomfortable. But guess what? The trees, they go bare and they look so bad and frail. But under the earth, the roots go deeper and deeper in pursuit of water. They're looking for some kind of nutrition and nourishment so they can be strong. The outside doesn't look that good, but underneath, the roots go stronger and they go deeper. So when spring comes, the tree looks beautiful. But if that tree doesn't have the energy or the effort to go deeper, when it comes to spring, that tree will fall over. You reap what you sow. The door is opened only when you knock. You find only when you seek. God will only answer when you call. You see, there's an effort on our part that we've got to make for God to move. The Bible says God has given us all a measure of faith. But that measure of faith is useless if you bury it under the tree, if you bury it under your bed, if you bury it in your closet. That measure of faith has no purpose, has no power, if it's hidden away and not used. But if you take that measure of faith, it'll be like a seed that's planted and will grow and bear fruit. What am I saying to you? You are destined to face challenges. I'm telling you, before the fight comes up, train. Before the big match comes up, practice. Before the big match comes up, give God all of your weaknesses so when the enemy comes up, you can punch him down with the word of God. Remember Jesus in the desert? And the enemy came up to him? Tell me, did Jesus have an iPad? Did, 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 did Jesus have a fancy Bible he bought from Kurong with a fancy concordance? Did Jesus have a good church congregation backing him up? You can do it, Jesus. No. He had his father and he had the word of God hid in his heart. How was it hid in his heart? In his quiet time, he was banking on these things. He was piling up his skill set. He was piling up his tools and his equipment. He never knew when he will need it for, but he knew one day I will need it. So he began to memorize the word of God, John 3, 16, John 3, 3. He began to pile it up and put and put. And it seemed like, what are you doing all of this for? Something's going to come. Something's going to happen. I'm getting ready for what I'm going to face. And he piled it up. So the day the enemy came up to Jesus, even though Jesus was physically weak, because he had done his homework, because he had made an effort, he knew he was strong. He piled up his tools. 
when the devil came and threw a weapon, Jesus was like, hold on. Toolbox, uh, okay, for this job, I'll use a screwdriver. It'll be the flathead. Yep, I'll use this for this job. For this job, uh, let me see. I'll use, devil, I'll use an AK-47 for this one. Ah, uh, for that verse, I'll, uh, 357 Magnum, I'll use that one. Because he had piled up his weapons, he was able to just speak them just like that without wasting time or skipping a bit because he understood he's in a battle and he piled up his work. What am I saying to you? You've got to make an effort. You've got to pile up. But I'm young. I don't care. The devil is coming up against the young people too. Yes, he wants your youth. He wants your innocence, your purity. He wants your testimony. He wants to mess your family's legacy by using you as a bad example. He wants it. That's why you've got to serve the Lord in the days of your youth. Pile up the word of God while your memory is sharp. Pile it up in your heart, in your mind. When your friends say, let's do this, the word of God comes up. And you're able to quote the word of God. No, I won't. As a married couple, you know, you're beginning your family and that. Pile up the word of God, even as a couple, even as a family. So when difficult times come, you can stand on God's word and refuse to be dictated to by the falling economy of the world because you're standing on God's word. When the ratings go down and the mortgage goes up and the percentage goes up and you're thinking, oh my goodness, what's going on? And people are getting retrenched. The pay raise is not going up. You are able to stand on Deuteronomy 28 and you're saying, I don't care, God, what the world says, but I know I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field, I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. Because you're standing on God's word, you've prepared. When a challenge comes, you hit the challenge. When sickness and disease comes into your home and it's knocking you down via a diagnosis, via a lump in your breast, you can feel it there. Guess what? If you've got the word of God piled up in your heart, laid up, you can just quickly go into that file and pull that file out of your heart and quote the word of God. By his stripes I am healed. By his stripes I plead the blood of Jesus, I'm healed. Because you put in the work. There's no time for weak Christianity. I want to implore you. There is no time for some kind of laid back, cushy, a holiday resort type of serving Jesus. No. You and I have been designed to be strong. We've de been designed to be champions. I'm going to read two more verses. In the book of Acts. Acts 27, verses 10. <clears throat> Paul speaking. And he said to them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be hurt and much damage." Not only of the landing of the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than, more, more than those things which Paul spoke. Then I jump to uh, chapter 21, or yeah, verses 21, excuse me, to verse 25. So Acts chapter 27, verses 21 to verses 25. But long after abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have listened to me and not loosed from Crete and have gained all of this harm and loss. And now I exhort you, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship only. 
For they stood by me this night, an angel of God, whose I am and who I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God had given thee all them that sail with thee. Basically what's happened was, Paul has been arrested for preaching the gospel. He's seen Felix, they brought him before Felix, they brought him before Festus, he's been before Agrippa. Paul said, look, just take me to Caesar. I want to go to Caesar. Caesar. They put Paul as a prisoner on this boat. They're sailing away to Rome. While they're sailing away, keep in mind now, Paul is the most holiest man of the New Testament, I think. Right? Upright man, serving God. He's blessed by God. He knows the word of God. He's a child of God. But this bad thing is happening to Paul. A good man like that, a bad thing is happening to him. He hasn't sinned. He's been preaching God's word, but they've handcuffed him and chucked him in a jail cell like a prisoner, like he's done something wrong. He's being persecuted for doing the right thing. They put him on this boat. They fly, they, they, they're sailing across the seas. They're going to Rome. Why are they going there? Paul has told them, hey, hey, he's warned them. Let's not go ahead with this journey. But because he's just a prisoner, he's a nobody, they ignore him. And now the boat is rocking. And now things are going wrong. Everything is failing and falling apart. Then there's trouble. The cargo is knocked out of the boat. It's just, it's just trouble. Everything is going wrong. Paul, while a prisoner, while he's being persecuted, rises up and talks to the people that's persecuting him. He says to them, don't worry. Last night, I spoke to an angel, and the angel assured me that we will not die. The angel of God has spoken to me that whoever jumps out of this boat is going to be in trouble, but whoever stays in here is safe. And Paul is encouraging his persecutors while in chains, while in custody. Does that make sense? No, it does not. But this is the kingdom you and I are a part of. The difficulty that comes our way does not deter the spirit man. The physical torture and tribulations that our bodies undergo is not designed to let the spirit man get weak. You may be weak on the outside, but inside you've got to be, as a child of God, you've got to be growing and growing and growing. Why? So you can reach out to the people around you. Sometimes the people you've got to give a good word to are people that are persecuting you. The very people that are talking bad about you are the people you have got to speak life to. The very people that are trying to put you down or the people you've got to rise up and speak the truth to. Because this is the kingdom you and I are a part of. If you don't speak, they will not hear. If you don't go, who must God send? We are the hope of this world. Your faithfulness to God is a breakthrough for Australia. Your commitment to Jesus is hope for this nation. Your faithfulness in studying God's word is a breakthrough for your family. The same family that will laugh and mock about your name. Oh, he just goes to church like a fool every time. That same family will be saved through your faithfulness to Jesus. Amen. 
That's why we endure. I go through circumstances and overcome, not because of Johnny, no, because of the bigger picture, the people that are watching me. I've got to be faithful because God, if they see me backslide, they will be discouraged and they will blaspheme your name. So I will take the pain and I'll go forward so they can be saved. That's the mentality we must have. The attitude of Jesus on Calvary. He could have spoken one word and ended the whole thing. But because he knew it's more than him, it's not about him. It's about everybody else. He had to just bite his teeth and not utter a word. He never even take a chance to open up his mouth, just in case. He just said to them, Earth, open up and kill them. So he just closed his mouth. He said, Father, if it is your will, I'll drink this cup. So we overcome and we endure so the nations can get saved. There's a bigger picture. Step out of yourself. You know what? The 21st century generation is the most selfish, the most self-obsessed generation. If you, want to dispute, if, if you want to dispute it, you can, but I can prove it to you by this way. Go to any restaurant, go to any uh, 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 hotel or whatever, go anywhere outside of the church borders, you'll see people walking, they'll see something beautiful, they'll stop and they take a selfie. <laughs> little children, little children. It's all about me. <laughs> then they carry on. Then they stop again. <laughs> That's just a small reflection of who we are inside. We are so self-obsessed. We are so self-centered. It's all about me, me, me. Mommy, when are you going to give me? Dad, when are you going to give me? Pastor, when are you going to bless me? When is this going to work out for me? So much so that we've allowed this thing to block what God is showing us. That there's a bigger picture. You look at Abraham and Isaac. You look at all of them. Their lives were sacrificial lives for the people. It was never for. It was that way. So they can be saved. Paul, the greatest example, in a boat, my God, in chains, a prisoner speaks to an angel on behalf of his persecutors. In closing, in closing, there's an island Paul gets to. This is in Acts chapter 28, verse 2 and 5. And the barbarous people showed us uh, no little kindness for they kindled a fire and received us, every one of them, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And verse, here verse 3. Now please remember, Paul is a prisoner. Paul is persecuted. Paul has been beaten before this. They almost killed him. Paul is going to trial, the biggest trial of his future. But look at, look at verses 3 of chapter 28 in Acts. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and bit him on the hand. Paul has been shipwrecked. He's cold. He's hungry. He's a slave. He's a, he's a prisoner. He's going to court. He's going at the biggest court case of his life. He's, he's got no support. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they're not there. He's by himself. He's going ahead. Instead of getting to the shore and like, oh, like, Paul gets himself up. He goes to the bushes. He finds sticks. 
Because in his mind, he knows everybody else is cold. I've got to make a fire. Who thinks like that? That's the kingdom you and I are a part of. It's about the, not about us, it's about everybody else. He's gotten his sticks. He's got to make a fire so they can get warm. While he's doing this, the snake bites him in the hand. The power of the venom doesn't kill Paul because Paul's mentality is fixed to Jesus. I've got no time to die through the snake. I've got to serve God's people. It doesn't work on him. Shakes it off. The people in the island think, oh, this is just to serve now. He's surely going to die. He does not die. The last thing Paul does, after he makes his fire, he speaks to a few of the leaders in the, in the island. Paul discovers one of them was sick. Or they got a sick family member at home. Paul doesn't say, please give me comfort so I can lay down. I'm stressed. I'm tired. No, no, no. Paul says, I will go to your house and I will pray for healing. A man that's been, imagine if it was you or I. We would have called the ombudsman. We would have called Current Affair, Channel 7, Channel 10. See how they're abusing me, my rights, my dignity, my humanity. Can I sue them? You would have gotten a line of lawyers prepared to give you some kind of reimbursement. Paul says, I will go and pray by his house for healing. Goes to the house, prays for healing. And this is why God does what he does to us. And the entire people in the island sent their sick to them. Child of God, you are strong. Child of God, you are blessed to be a blessing. Child of God, God has saved you to save others. Child of God, God has given you a voice to reach others. Child of God, God has made you an overcomer so you can help others overcome. Child of God, God has given you encouragement through the word so you can bless others. Child of God, rise up and take your place. Take your position. Take your rightful stand. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the hope for this nation, Australia. You are the one that's designed to take this ministry, take the gospel to the nations. You are that. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You take your position. You are not weak. You may be meek, but you are not weak. This morning, I want to pray with you. You're saying, preacher, man, I've, I'm a bit weak and weary. Well, guess what? Jesus, this morning, is able to encourage you. Amen. Brother Johnny, I'm, 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 I'm sick. I'm not well. I need healing in my body. Jesus can heal you today. You're feeling a little bit lukewarm. You're a little bit indifferent. Guess what? Jesus, this morning, can shake you and jolt you loose and make you be like Paul. Rise up in the midst of difficulty. Johnny, I'm going through a dark place in my life. Well, guess what? This morning, Jesus can fix that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray with you. You're saying you want to pray. It's right there in your seat. Stand to your feet. I'm